So we've been doing kind of a, a series on the seven foundational goals for members of our church. You know, every, every church has foundational principles. Every house has certain foundational principles. And again, without a foundation, really, the house does indeed collapse. And a couple weeks ago, went out front here, just took a picture of our church. I photoshopped a nice parking lot in the front there. And so again, every church has a foundation. And so we've been talking about some foundational goals of our church. The bedrock foundation, I believe, is loving God. As Jesus was asked, what is the most important thing? He said it's to love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbors, ourselves. You know, the bottom line for every church, whatever we're doing, it should be causing people to have a deeper love for God and a love for each other. That really is what it's all about. And then Brett preached on the foundation of the family, which is really important. I always believe the family is so crazy important. And we have so many demands in our life that try to pull us away, but to really focus and make family a priority really is important in life. Last week I talked about worship and how it is important for us to come together, to gather to worship. I know you can worship at home, you can worship at the lake, but you know, God created us to gather together to worship. And one day in heaven, we're all going to gather around the throne. And one of the things we're going to do in heaven is worship together. Because it not only draws us closer to God, but it also helps us love and appreciate each other. And today I want to talk about a subject I don't talk about a lot, even though it's a subject that probably has changed my life as much as any one subject in the Bible. And that is the foundation of giving. Now I say that, if you remember, they did a survey in a community of why people don't go to church. And the number one reason people gave for not attending a local church is the church is always asking for money. Now let me go on record as saying this church is amazing. For the last 20 years, we have exceeded our budget every single year. I am not preaching about giving because I'm trying to manipulate anybody because you guys are flat doing it. I, I just, this is the givingest church of any church I've ever been a part of. Now, I got I to gotta confess to you, I ran into a guy at Walmart this week. I know it's hard to believe I was at Walmart, but I was at Walmart. I was in line. And uh, there was a gentleman right with me. He was right ahead of me. He was about my age, maybe a couple years older. He had a veteran's hat on. So I asked him where he served. I thanked him for his service to our country. I said, do you, do you go to church anywhere? He said, no, not really. He goes, to be honest with you, all churches talk about is money. I didn't invite him today. I didn't invite him today. I did not invite him. I don't hardly ever talk about money. If you've been at this church, you will know I very rarely talk about money because you guys are doing it. But it's, it's one of our foundational things. So again, I, I, that might have been a bad thing, but I did, I'm just not going to invite him to this Sunday. But hopefully I'll run into him again. But anyway, whenever I preach about money, I, again, it's one of the hardest subjects to preach about because again, it's been so abused. But yet it's the subject that really has changed my life 
in ministry more than any one subject. Whenever I talk about money, I think about the strong man at the circus, and he would always take a lemon and just squeeze every drop, and then he would invite anybody at the circus to come and try to get one more drop, and nobody was ever able to do it. But then one little 100-pound, squeaky, squawny guy came up and said, I'll give it a try. And the, and the strong man just kind of almost was embarrassed to give him the, the lemon. But he gave him the lemon. His little old skinny guy got on it. He sat on it and squeezed. And in a minute, a drop came out. And this, this strong man was surprised. It had never happened before. He said, how in the world did you do that? He said, oh, I'm, I'm a Baptist preacher. And so... First of all, let me give you some good news. I'm not trying to squeeze any drops. Second good news is we're not going to take an offering at the end of the service. So you can all take a breath. Take a breath. You're all good. So I want to take it back. And I know I've shared my story over the years. But since we're talking, I just want to take today and just kind of reminisce about my life, my story and what place this has had in my life. I've shared most of my stories over the years, so if, you, if you've heard them, just pretend like you haven't, all right? Pretend like they're new. But I only have one testimony, all right? And so I grew up here in Berkeley, this house up on the top. Uh, this is the house I, I, we moved into when I was in kindergarten. And so from kindergarten through 19 years old, this was where I grew up, except for one year when my mom died. At 13, we moved to Cedar Hill for a year, and then we moved back to this house. But other than that one year, this is where I grew up. And the church on the bottom, this First Baptist Berkeley, this is the church that I grew up in. I was attending this church nine months before I was born. I mean, we were there Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. We were always at church. And so this church definitely has an imprint in my life. How many of you know the church you grow up in does leave an imprint in your life one way or the other. And so this was the church that I grew up in. And even though I, I knew about money and I heard about money, a lot of the, the messages were kind of guilt-driven or trying to twist arms or so forth. But when I was 19 years old, we went to a Bible conference and uh, there were some amazing speakers. But the one speaker that just literally changed my life was Bill Stafford. Bill Stafford, his ministry, his life was kind of around this area of giving. And he doesn't recommend it to anybody else, but they didn't keep any money in the bank, which I don't recommend, but they literally depended on God week by week by week. And whatever God gave, whatever was over what they needed, they would give away. But he literally was living what he was preaching. And he talked about going to his first church, and he went there for $35 a week with four kids. Now, that was back in the 50s. $35 was a little bit more money, but not that much. But he gave story after story after story of how God supernaturally provided. And then he gave a story of a young couple, and as he began to do evangelism, part of his ministry was just sharing about walking in this area and experiencing the grace of God. And, he, and one night they were in a church and there was a young couple there that had never heard anything about giving. And that night the young husband came down to the front and said to the church, I want to give $500. So I don't even have it, but if I got to go to the bank tomorrow, I'm going to borrow $500 and bring to the church. I do not recommend that. I want to go, I don't recommend. But anyway, that's what he said. The next day, he went out to get in his car to go to the bank to borrow $500. 
to give to the church. And as he was getting in his car, another car pulled in his driveway and said, I was at the service last night when you stood up and said you wanted to give $500. And I was kind of excited. God said to me, I want you to give it to him. So I'm here to give you a check for $500. He said, sir, I didn't, I didn't. He goes, I know you didn't, but God told me. So God, he gave that guy a check, and that night at the revival, Bill said that young father came down, man, with tears down his eyes as he brought that $500 check. Well, his wife, she got up that night and said, I, I want to give $500. <laughs> he was shocked. By the way, always pray about that stuff before you make an announcement. Talk with your spouse. But she got up that night, and she said, oh, I want to give 500 And he was a little shook. So that next day, she was ironing clothes. Husband was at work, and she heard a knock at the door. She went to the door. There was a stranger there, and he said, Ma'am, I've been driving by for some time, and I know you got some barn wood out back there. He said, I'd like to buy it. She said, I don't, I don't have any idea what it's worth. I'd have to talk to my husband. He said, well, from all I can figure, it would be worth about $500. She took off through the, the house. She was just weeping and praising God. He said, ma'am, he thought he upset her. He said, ma'am, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I, 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 mean, I can give you more. She said, no, 500 is great. I, I just didn't know how God was going to do it. That night she hit the church door he said, Bill said, rivers of Maybelline were coming down her cheek. And she came down and brought that $500 to give to church. I mean, he gave story after story after story of people who stepped out and trusted God. And God opened the windows of heaven and began to bless. And as a 19-year-old who grew up in church, and even though I've heard about giving, I never really heard anybody preach about opening the windows of heaven and walking into God's greatness. One other story I just want to share about Bill, and I could, I could, I could spend several weeks just giving Bill stories, but one of the stories I've shared over the years is about Hazel. She was about 68 years old. They, she, he was in revival in a real small country church. And Hazel had a brother that was running a little grocery store right across the street from the church for years and years and years, and her brother wasn't saved. And so Hazel got convicted because even though she gave a little bit to church, she had kind of locked God out of that area. And one night during the revival, God told Hazel an amount that she was to give. So the next day, she went to the bank and withdrew that exact amount put it in her billfold, and when she sat in the service that night, when the offering plate was coming by, she started to bargain with God. How many of y'all ever bargain with God? And so she said, I'll tell you what, she thought to herself, I'll give half of it. And so she took out half and put it in the offering plate, and it was going by. And as soon as she did, God spoke to her heart in that still, small voice, and God said to Hazel, Hazel, if you will obey me, I will do something for your brother. Your brother will get saved if you will obey me. And man, without much more thinking, the, the usher was about three rows back. She stuck around the aisle and she said, psst, psst. That's never happened. Unless maybe you were wanting to take some out that you put in. But the usher walked back. He didn't know what was going on. And when he got back to Hazel's pew, Bill said she opened her billfold and just dumped the whole load. And when she did, Bill said, man, God just filled her with the Spirit. 
I mean, she jumped up. 68 years old, Hazel jumps up. And when she jumped up, she hit the offering plate. Money was everywhere. And Hazel started going around the church. Woo! My brother's going to get saved. Woo! And she made about three laps around the church. That church hadn't seen a mouse walk down the aisle in months. And here's Hazel, man, walking around the church. And the pastor looks over to Bill and says, well, what, what should we do? Bill goes, well, I didn't start it, and I'm not going to stop it. And so the next day, she talked to her brother, invited him to church. Her brother said to her, Hazel, I'm not coming to church. She said, you just think you're not. God gave her a word. I mean, she just felt God gave her a word. Last night at Revival, Saturday night, Bill was up preaching. He said, I didn't know her brother was in miles of the church. But as they gave the invitation on the very back, back row, he heard, oh! About two or three real strong groans. In a minute, a big old guy got out in the aisle, and two other guys literally had to almost carry him down the aisle. That was Hazel's brother getting saved that night. When Hazel saw her brother walking down the aisle, here she took off again. That's my brother. My brother's getting saved tonight. Not only did God save her brother, but he saved his daughter and her three children, five out of the family. You know, as I hear story after story, and sitting there as a 19-year-old growing up in church and hearing stories of how God parted the sea, did, did God really do that, teacher? Yes, he did, students. Did God really take the children of Israel through the wilderness for 40 years? Yes, he did. Did God really shut the mouths of lions? Yes, he did. But as a 19-year-old growing up in church, I've never experienced the, the power of God in a visible way. And I sat there and just a light went off and said, man, I want to experience God do something only God can do. Now, I was living at home, didn't have any debt. It was a lot easier for me to step out on faith. I didn't have to go check with anybody. But I just want to give you some of the scriptures. Because, when, again, as Bill preached about the promises in the Bible, I've, I've always had the idea that you should give and never expect anything back. But can I just be honest with you? Why does God put a promise every time he challenges us to give? He promises to bless our socks off. Let's read some of these promises. And if you want to amen, you can. If you want to shout, if you want to run around like Hazel, go at it. All right. Nobody did in the first two services, though. I just want to say that. Somebody goes, what if somebody gets free? Maybe I'll join them. I don't know. I don't know what will happen. Proverbs 3, let's read together these promises. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the firstfruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Proverbs 11, one person gives freely yet gains more. Another withholds what is right only to become poor. It really is crazy that as we scatter, God blesses us back. Malachi 3.10, we looked at briefly a couple weeks ago. I often refer to this as the Baptist National Anthem and talking about tithing, but let's read it together. The people in Malachi's day, it wasn't that they weren't giving to God. They were, they were offering diseased animals, sick animals, and God had finally had enough. And he challenges the people, trust me in this area. If you will trust me, I will open the windows of heaven. 
Let's read it together. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And as a 19-year-old, I sat there and I can remember, I mean, God was all over me. And I said, I want to experience the windows of heaven opened up. This is something I can step out. I can trust God and to see if God will open the windows of heaven. Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, Give, and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure you use, it will be measured back. Over and over and over, the Bible promises that if we'll trust, that God will give back. But it's always important to pray and get a word from God. If you feel the preacher is telling you to do something, I would pray about it. But it is a process. And obviously, if you're married, you need to talk to your spouse about it. Two of the chapters in the New Testament that probably talk the most about giving is in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. As Paul's writing to the churches, he starts by giving them an example. How many of you know it's good to have an example to motivate you? And I think God used Bill Stafford. I mean, my life. I think back, where would my life be if I had not been in that Bible conference? Because sitting under there, experiencing what God can do in this area, literally has changed my life. And we'll I talk about that. But he knows he starts here by talking about the churches of Macedonia. He says, We make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. So even though they were in deep poverty, I don't know what deep poverty is. I assume they were sunk and they were continuing to sink. Have you ever been there? I mean, we've all, and people say to me today, Roger, with all the inflation, I mean, the last thing you want to talk about is money. I'm either giving you the meanest message that you could ever receive, or I'm telling you that there's an economy in this economy that God does not depend on how things are going on Wall Street. So he says, I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency, that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of ministering to the saints. They actually chased Paul down and said, we want to give. Can you imagine chasing the pastor across the parking lot? Wait, I, want to, I didn't get a chance to give. It hasn't happened to me in 43 years. But Paul said, man, they literally chased him down. And so he's telling the church at Corinth, I know things are tough, but trust God. Trust God. Chapter 9, this is one of my favorite. He's, he's using a term that any gardener, any farmer would understand. How many of you have ever planted a garden? How many of you, if somebody said to you, man, don't plant that, if you plant a garden, don't expect to get anything back. That'd be crazy. Because you plant a garden, you reap what you sow, you always reap later than you sow, but you always reap more than you sow, right? That's why you plant a garden. And he talks in these terms, and he's talking about giving. He says, this I say, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now that word cheerful, as I mentioned a few weeks ago, means hilarious like a clown in a circus. Woo! 
man, this is so exciting. Have you ever seen somebody get happy at offering time? Usually the offering's kind of like going to the dentist's office, let's get it over with. But it's because, again, we haven't experienced what God wants to do. And again, I love how he goes on to say, God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Twice in the book of 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, once in each chapter, Paul runs them by and reminds them of the greatest giver of all, and that's God. He says in chapter 8, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might be rich. You know, when we think about the ultimate giver, when the verse we love to quote, For God so loved the world that he, that he gave. And he gave his only son, and in giving his only son, he's getting back a whole bunch of children. Because he loved us. I've shared over the years about Gary Lake and that God brought him into my life because, again, we all need people to influence us. Bill Stafford was one of those that made a monumental imprint in my life. And the other guy that went to that conference that got excited was Gary Lake. Now, Gary did not grow up in church. He was living with his brother. He was not married. And he was making about $105 a week. And he just felt led that God wanted him to give $20 a week. And he really couldn't afford it. I mean, really, it took every penny he made, and he still struggled to make it. But he felt like God wanted him to give $20 a week. I think I even said to him, have you prayed about that? I still had a little bit of lack. Of, and, but that's just how God, and he would always do extra things for people. And I can just tell you, time after time after time, God supernaturally provided for Gary. God was using Bill Stafford. God was using Gary in my life to teach me that I can trust God. That I can step out and trust God. That God is able. By the way, a picture of me when I was 19. It's not a very good picture. This is when I was a summer missionary. I actually got a haircut to go do summer missions. And so Gary and I were very, very good friends. And so when I was 22 years old, I got called to pastor First Baptist Church of Gerald. This is actually a picture of the church. It's gone now. They, they've leveled it. But this is an actual picture. My very first church that I went to pastor at 22 years old was this church. It did have an education building in back. There was no parking. The building took the whole lot. It was on one lot. In the back, there was the education building, which was a single wide trailer. And the only thing holding you up in about 20 places was the carpet. I mean, it was bad. That's where I started. There was about, uh, I think when they voted on me, there was nine people that voted. The first uh, month or two I was there, we averaged 26. And uh, their yearly budget was $10,000. That was their yearly budget. And they were paying me $325 a month, which was about $3,900 a year. It wasn't that they were cheap. They just didn't have any money. And they didn't ask me to come full time. But God did. God said, I want you to go full time. Now, I was single. I didn't have any debt. But God said, I want you to go full time. Now, can I tell you, 95% of the people around me 
said to me, people that, that do me, that love me, about 95% of them said, Roger, I, I, don't, I don't think you should. Roger, there's no way you're going to make it. It just doesn't add up. It doesn't calculate out. I'm here. 325 a month. Now, I do want to be honest to say I did eat a lot of crackers. I had a lot of peanut butter and jelly. I'm not telling you it was all easy. But I'm here to tell you that when you walk through that wilderness, because I, I heard Bill Stafford's stories and because I saw the faithfulness of God in Gary Lake, I knew, I just knew that my God was able. So I got paid once a month, because, you know, when you're getting $325 a month, you, you, want, you want to get it all at one time. It looks like you got a little money. First thing I did was take $50 to the church. Because if I, if I waited till the end of the month, I, I, I wouldn't have it. Before I actually went, I was living with this guy, Ken Rodry. I moved out when I was 19 years old, so I lived with Ken for a couple years. And I know you're going to find this really hard to believe, but when him and Sandy got married, they wanted me to move out. <laughs> Why? But anyway, I, I get it. I get, I'm just kidding you. So they got married. I moved out of the house. But Ken came to me and it, when I was go, getting ready to go to Gerald, and he was another really super dear friend. And Ken came to me and said, God has, God has asked me to come and talk to you. And, I, and when he sat there, he just cried for about 30 minutes. How many of you know when man, the best friend on the planet, sits there crying in front of you, you know their heart is with you. And he said to me, finally, when he got up enough sense about him to talk, he said, God sent me here to ask you for your car. Now, Ken worked as a mechanic for TWA. I had a really a bomb car. It was, I mean, when I say bomb, I don't mean that in a positive sense. It was a junker. <laughs> of course, I, I knew Ken didn't really need my car. But I thought to myself, maybe that's God telling me that he has something else. Maybe I'm going to hitchhike. I'll be the first pastor that hitchhikes everywhere. <laughs> I honestly didn't know if I could afford a car. But, but he said, God wants me to ask for your car. And and man, I knew it was God. And I said, Ken, you meet me tomorrow. I will bring you the keys. And I, I mean, I will give you the car. I mean, I accepted that as God telling me that that's what he wanted me to do with the car. And so the next day we met. And again, he was teary-eyed. And I was a little teary-eyed. And I gave him the keys to the car. And just within a few minutes, he pulled out another set of keys and said, I want to give you the keys to this car. It wasn't a new car, but it was really a nice shape and really low miles. But he said, I could not give you the car until you were willing to give me your car. We sat and cried for about 30 minutes. It was pitiful. But I love that guy so much. I don't see him much anymore. But isn't it amazing, God, the people God puts in your life? to help farm and mold who we are. Well, I've shared this story over the years. You know, I, I, I actually had some very lean months, and I would always take my change, throw it in a drawer, and at the end of the month, I'd get the change, buy some milk, some peanut butter, some jelly, some crackers. About two-thirds of the way through this one month, 
God said to me, I want you to get all your change together and I want you to, to give it to, at Sunday. Now, me being a spiritual giant said, that's probably the devil talking. <laughs> that is not God. God does not want me to not have milk and, and peanut butter. So I prayed about it. You would pray about it. I prayed about it. And I just felt like God said to me, it's me. Now, that did not make any sense at all. But I gathered all my change together. It was about $13.75, put it in a brown paper bag. And when I was walking over to church that morning, I got to tell you, I walked really slow. Because I just knew. I knew this was an Abraham. Remember when Abraham was going to offer up Isaac? And God said, wait. And so I walked really slow, and I was listening. I just knew God was going to say, Roger, Roger, don't. But he didn't. He was quiet. So I got all the way over to church. I walked back to where they count money. I put the bag down. Didn't have my name on it. And for the first time in my life, when I laid that, that bag down, it was at this church right here. I mean, I had such an unbelievable release. I can't even describe it. For the first time in my life, I did not have a dime to my name. Not a dime. I didn't know how I was going to make it 10 days, but I just, I just trusted God. Because God did it for Bill Stafford. God did it for Gary Lake. God did it for Ken Rodri. I just knew God was faithful. And so after church, the music, Jim Stoker, who does our music, he said, man, we just got some beef. We want to invite you over to a steak dinner for lunch. I, mean, I said, let me check my schedule. I'm available. <laughs> I said, I am available. And so, man, I was all excited, man. Steak dinner, man. And so I went home to change, to head over there. I had about a quarter tank of gas. And when I get, went home to change, the phone rings. We had landlines back then. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. But we had landlines. And so I picked up the phone. It was the daughter of the family I was going to see. And uh, her name was Paula. And Paula said to me, my dad wants to know if you can stop and pick up a bag of ice. And man, I felt about that big. Because I could not even buy a bag of ice. I mean, I felt so bad. I couldn't, even, I couldn't even write a check for 50 cents. I said, I am so sorry. I don't even have, I said, I, I can't buy it. She said, we still want you to come. I said, good. So I remember driving out there. We had an unbelievable lunch. Another family that was out there, a guy that, he said, I want to talk to you for a minute. And so I had an old gun I was trying to get rid of for a while. He said, you know, you've been trying to get rid of that gun. He said, somebody came by yesterday to buy it. He said, hold out your hand. He laid six $20 bills in my hand. Now, I know that doesn't sound like a lot. I felt like God opened the windows of heaven and just dumped a load on me right there. I just wanted to go out in the woods and just get on my face before God and just cry. I'm not talking about giving because our church is hurting, because we are not. We're not at all. I'm talking about giving because it has absolutely revolutionized my life more than any other thing. God is so faithful. One other story, just real quick about Gerald. I think I got one more story. But anyway, we were behind in our budget. And when we only got $10,000 a year, the budget isn't much. But we were, we were running short. 
And I sat down with a few of the leaders there, and I said, the only way I know to, to get more resources is to give more. It doesn't make any sense. But I sat down with the leadership. I said, let's raise our mission giving, even though we can't afford it. We don't even have the money. And they all agreed, and we raised our mission giving. The Sunday after we voted to do that, God is my witness, three families joined our church who were all givers. I'm here to tell you that God is faithful. It doesn't make sense. It's a time of wilderness when you're going through struggles to trust God. But he who promised is faithful. By the way, just a few years later, we built this building out on Highway 50, the building they currently meet in, which is a part of the ridge now. We built this virtually debt-free. That little church that was struggling to make it. That little church of 20-something people grew to about 130-something people. And man, they were so faithful, we began to see God do something only God could do. We left there in 1986. We went to Fairview Baptist Church. We were there for eight years. It was in Jennings, Missouri, a North County area that was in much of a transition this was an amazing church. I mean, Brent, I can say it had some of the most amazing people, didn't have any debt, but they were so willing to pour back into the community and to do missions, whatever it took. I feel so blessed to a pastor, Jennings. And then we came here in 1994. But in 1998, and maybe you've seen this picture, this is right where we're sitting, right under this. There was a group of about 60 people who were members of First Baptist Villa Ridge right up the street that God gave them a vision to build a building. And it really didn't make sense. But those people sacrificed their time, their energy, their money, and it took about five years to get this thing built. They got some really funny stories about building this. But in 1993, they had a dedication service, and this was all the present and former members. And people said, why would you build such a big building for 60 people? Doesn't make any sense. On the corner of AT and M, there's you're down where no there's nothing out there. You're in Podunk. When people ask me why God's blessing this church. One of the first things I tell them is there was a group of people that believed God. A group of people that were willing to give and to sacrifice. Can I tell you, I feel like the most fortunate guy on the planet to pastor. I've only pastored three churches. And I don't plan on pastoring a fourth. I hate to say that, but you guys are stuck with me. It's so hard. In one way, it's so hard to talk about money because I know it's such a tough subject. But it's absolutely one of the most freeing things of the world, of, of, the, of your heart and your world, is to get free in that area and to trust God. And I just appreciate our church. I'm going to ask Brenda to come down here. I didn't talk to her, so I'm going to be in trouble. I will have lunch today because we'll have groundhog. 
I usually, after I do this, she's like most people, want to stay behind the scenes. Man, this week I spent a lot of time reflecting in my life. I just can't tell you that we got a mighty God. And even though we're living in probably one of the toughest times for our country as far as inflation, I'm just here to tell you that there's an economy beyond this economy. Come on on up. I'm going to torture you all the way. (laughs) So as I talk about Gerald, and of course, as I think about, and I just think about all the different stories I have, I could spend weeks talking about the faithfulness of God. But of all the things that God has done, let me just say, and even though I think God does bless us financially, I'm not a health and wealth preacher, but I am a preacher that believes in the promises of God. But can I tell you that the financial stuff is not the biggest things that God gives us. When I went to Gerald, I went as a bachelor. When I left Gerald, I had a wife. And as you know, as you get to know Brenda, I married up. (laughs) And let let me go on record as saying, she never married me for my money. (laughs) A matter of fact, I'm surprised her parents let her marry me. I mean, we probably lived in poverty for a while. But she's one of the most gifted people in the area of finance. Her parents are incredibly gifted. I see Bernard up there. Bernard, by the way, Bernard, stand up. I'm going to put you on the spot. Bernard was one of the 26 people that was at Gerald when I went there in 1979, right up there. So I, I have my dad's Bible. One of the things I got when my dad passed away was his Bible. And I'm going to have Brenda sign it. You know, when you get a Bible, sometimes you want somebody really, really important in your life to sign it. I want her to sign my most important Bible. I didn't ask her about it. And by the way, just a few years ago, she went to Six Flags, and she signed Brenda Camper. That hurt. That hurt. (laughs) She forgot she was married. Of course, we'd only been married 20 years, but <laughs> anyway. You signed your name, not my name. <laughs> now, I jokingly say her name was Brenda Camper. I jokingly say she wasn't a happy camper, so I made her a Johnson. Her dad doesn't think that's very funny. So anyway, I love you. I could only have her come down for one service, and this was it. Otherwise, she would not have been here. So I always wait for the last service. I just want to tell you guys again, man, you are so faithful. You're so faithful in this area, man. I just want to just encourage you to keep walking and trusting God. Let's stand together. We just want to have a moment.
Let's just take a moment as David plays softly. We're not going to take long. But maybe you're here today, and maybe for the first time in your life, you just want to open up your heart and just receive the gift of salvation. That God loved you so much that he allowed Jesus to die on the cross so that you could be forgiven and have an eternity with him. Again, God gave one child. He gave his only son, but he's getting back a whole bunch of children. I don't want you to do anything today. I just want you just to pray, seek the Lord. Maybe you're visiting and this is where God is leading you to plug in. We invite you to slip out and come. Or maybe you just need someone to pray with you or pray for you. We would love to do that. So take just a moment and just let God love on you right where you are. Father, I just thank you for my church family. I thank you for the Cosmans that are here today. I just thank you, Lord. I just pray a special blessing upon them that you would just love on them. Give us all the grace and the wisdom to take one day at a time and to live each day for you. Fill us with your spirit. Help us to make a difference everywhere we go. In Jesus' name, amen.